0: Welcome to the Informants Nerdcast, presented by Nerd Informants Media. The Informants Nerdcast is powered by Branson's IMAX Entertainment Complex, The Sign Man and Hollister, Comic Force, White River Design Company, and 1984 Branson Arcade. Well, there is definitely no going back now. Season 2 continues forward, and this is Episode 4. Welcome inside. I'm a nerd. And I'm Josh Grisham. I'm also a nerd, and you can call me Tim Church. I keep waiting for a long duration to go by in between episodes that we might actually forget how to do this, but we still haven't hit that wall yet.
1: Not yet. Why? Uh, maybe... Why
0: can't we have something
1: spicy happen? Ah, oh, man, but I-, I am excited to be back behind the mic, as I am sure you are too, my friend.
0: Well, technically, you're you're, you're excited to be back behind the mic, but you're you're still kind of coming off of that high of a great day of exercising and the whole, like, a ton of work.
1: Yeah, hashtag Get Tim Slim is back going strong. So
0: hashtag Keep Tim Exhausted. As a matter of fact, you can get the Informants Nerdcast friends on all of the major podcast platforms. So if you listen on Spotify, we've got you covered. If you listen on Apple Podcasts, we've also got you covered. Just type it in and enjoy. It's that simple. We've got a whole bunch of news that hit all in one fell swoop, and and sadly. Uh, well, I want to say sadly, we'll get to that in just a little bit, but we have some exciting news that literally, as we were getting the podcast set up, you broke it. It's out there on our social channels now. So let's start off with you, big boy.
1: Guys, this is pretty exciting news for any of our fans out there that like the movie office space mm. friends. If you're is that familiar, the movie they got
0: lapped by an old lady on a walker. I'm just curious. Is that, that that's the one, right?
1: I'm not. Yes. Yes. Yeah. They this look wait, they, waiting in traffic. Yeah. Good. Okay. Good. Yeah, okay. See, I,
0: I know a little bit about yeah, office space. Okay.
1: Uh, the red stapler, um, beating up a printer. It's all coming back to us now. We've all done that around the office. Ladies and gentlemen, I am very excited to announce breaking news on Nerd Informant's Ron Livingston will be replacing Billy Crudup as Henry Allen in the Flash standalone film. Henry Allen, of course, being the father of uh, Ezra Miller's Barry Allen, um, we did get to see Billy play the role of Henry in Justice League and, of course, most recently, in more frequently in uh, Zack Snyder's Justice League. He had a couple more scenes in there than he did in the initial film. Uh, but due to some, I guess... Uh, other filming duties, he had to step away from the project. But Ron Livingston, in my opinion, is a pretty excellent choice to come in and fill that role.
0: You know, in actor speak, I guess you might have to simply say that you're you're going to have that from time to time. Now, time will tell if whether or not I will hit and match Tim's excitement level for Ron Livingston's casting announcement here with a Flash standalone film. That That's great. I'm glad they've got that short up. But uh, come on, Michael Keaton we We need uh, we need some solidifying news there as far as Michael Keaton's involvement and then I can get excited about the standalone flash movie. <laughs> Moving on from exciting news and jumping right into news that's gonna break your heart because uh, gone too soon yeah is is definitely an understatement without question. but uh, this news literally just coming out uh, we want to say rest in peace to actor Houston Tumlin. Uh, Not a huge body of work, but he made a very big impression uh, in the film Talladega Nights, The Ballad of Ricky Bobby. He was the former child actor. Uh, Apparently reports indicating that he died by suicide on Tuesday. According to multiple reports, he was just 28 years young. Uh, Calls to mind the, the, the tragic passing of actor Heath Ledger. Tumlin was known for his role as Walker Bobby, the son of Will Ferrell's character Ricky Bobby, in the 2006 comedy Talladega Nights, The Ballad of Ricky Bobby. Just 28 years young that is that is that is heartbreaking without question
1: yeah i couldn't agree more man seriously like walker and texas ranger i mean I, I i grew up watching that film over and over and over again and the fact that i i'm just now realizing that i i was only a year older than this uh than this kid so man it, that, that kind of yeah it kind of hits
0: absolutely hits you hard you know and you figure i mean that one role synonymous with him and and his acting resume and again i mean just instantaneous left that that mark and that impression on you with that one role alone he'll be forever remembered
1: uh as his eagerly awaited james bond installment no time to die is gearing up for an october theatrical release
0: still coming out
1: maybe we'll see who knows Maybe 2024, Daniel Craig will finally get to see his final time as James Bond on screen. He'll
0: retire as an actor before that movie actually comes out.
1: (laughs) Uh, So the filmmaker behind uh, Daniel Craig's next James Bond uh, installment, and I'm going to butcher this, we all know, but uh, Kerry Fukunaga. Fukunaga? That's
0: actually, you know, for a first time out, that's really impressive. Kerry Fukunaga.
1: Fuganaga, uh, he has set up his next new feature film project. Um, he's going to be directing a feature adaptation of cyberpunk image comic series Tokyo Ghost for Legendary Pictures.
0: Let, let's just hope that he has better luck releasing this movie than CD <laughs> Projekt Red did getting Cyberpunk 2077 off the ground. Here's a bunch of luck coming your way, Kerry. I'm excited for this. I mean, even though, like, still, we await No Time to Die coming out in cinema. That'll be a benchmark and a measure for just how potentially good Tokyo Ghost could be. I'm excited for it. Mm -hmm. I'm looking forward to it as well. I do love cyberpunk. Um, This news um, is either going to be really exciting for you guys, because, hey, a part of it is continuing, or you're going to sit there and when you hear this news, you're going to be like, why? And some of our fans already on our social channels are going, why? But news coming out from Deadline, Disney Plus has given a 10-episode series order to a national treasure TV series it's going to be exclusive to Disney+, Plus, probably because they couldn't sell that to any studio at all whatsoever. If you can't pitch it, it goes to Disney+. Plus. The series is going to act as a reimagining of the franchise. See, that's right there. That's where they lost me. 20-year-old Latina character by the name of Jess Morales. She'll be the center of the story, and Jess and her friends will set off on an adventure to uncover her mysterious family history and recover lost treasure, following in the footsteps of Nick Cage's Benjamin Franklin Gates. So, yes, there's going to be some 20-somethings in this series. They're all going to have, like, this really world-renowned uh, ability for for history, and they're going to automatically know everything really, really fast. They might have questionable hair, and there you go. I mean, I'm happy that we're getting a continuation of something National Treasure-related, but this is not the news I was hoping for, sadly. I wanted more Benjamin, uh, Benjamin Gates. I mean, I feel like... And Justin Bartha.
1: Six... Months to a year ago, I felt like we did report on something National Treasure related, that National Treasure 3 was at least in the works, that they had hired a script writer for it. So hopefully that's still out there, it's still floating, so we could see Nick Cage reprise his role there. So hopefully this is just a simple spin-off, maybe directed more at the younger audience. Um, where, whereas as a child in high school, as a child in my high school years, I can remember watching national treasure. Uh, and it was a huge deal. And you know, I, I remember watching it in history class actually. So maybe this is going to be for the next generation, who knows, but as long as it's still set in the same universe and there's always that potential for a Nick Cage cameo, then I'll be excited. 'Cause I would love to see no. Nick Cage interact with some twenty year olds uh, who think they like history. Nobody likes history like Nick Cage's Benjamin Gates likes history.
0: I I, I need Ben Gates, um, I, I need Nick Cage, I need Diane Kruger, and I need Justin Bartha. That's that's what I need.
1: And hopefully we'll still get that. I, I mean, I'm I'll, not, I'll I'm not losing hope for that yet. I'm not. I'm not canceled hope. For We've that got yet. to figure out what's on that page. The president asked the
0: question, and all these years we have been ignoring the president's request. This is ridiculous. The president wants something done. We have to listen to the president. So let's figure out what's on that page. We don't need a Disney Plus. Okay, I'm on my soapbox. I'm ranting. Moving I mean, on.
1: Is he even president anymore? I mean, it- no, he's been out of office for years now. So, so
0: but it's still his request. Former president man, come on.
1: So now he's got to report to Biden and let him know what's going on.
0: I guess I'll, I'll, <laughs> I'm down for that.
1: Uh I mean, why am I getting all the big names today, guys? Uh
0: now come on now. If you if you I, don't I re- know
1: this one, I really don't.
0: Okay, David DeCovney. DeCovney? DeCovney. Yep.
1: Why is there an H there? There's no need for an H. <laughs>
0: The H is silent. <laughs>
1: uh, David Duchovny is going to be starring in a series adaptation of his Truly Like Lightning book. Uh, it's at works at Showtime, along with the Peanut Butter Falcon filmmakers, who are responsible for that Shia LaBeouf film. So it's got potential. At least it's got those I mean, guys behind it. People were really excited about that film when it came out.
0: So, so that means it's going to have a steady hand behind it, because, I mean, the steady hand of the Peanut Butter Falcon, I uh, in a sense, kind of uh, resurrected Shia LaBeouf. I like calling him LaBeef. It's just so much better than than the way his name is supposed to be said.
1: I prefer LaPork,
0: but... But, uh, hey, well done. If you have a son, can we call your son (laughs) LaPork? Please? Please, God, make that happen. I want you to have a son, and I want to be able to call him LaPork.
1: If I end up calling him Tim Jr., we'll need to be able to distinguish between me and him, so his nickname will have to be LaPork.
0: We're going to be going to Comic-Con convention. LaPork's going to be hanging around, and I'm going to be 90. That's all I ask for in my life.
1: Little LaPork. I can
0: die happy. Little LaPork going to Comic-Cons with the Nerd Informants. (laughs) That's great, though. I do love, I mean, this just, you know, David Duchovny is still out there, and David Duchovny is still working. I, I like this. This makes me happy because David... David Duchovny is very talented. Give the man more roles. Um, Okay, so Big Crispy himself, one half (laughs) of Team Hell No, on the other side of Daniel Bryan. The announcement has come out that Kane will be taking his place in the WWE Hall of Fame class of 2021. Welcome to the hall, Big Red. Now, I'm going to add to this a little bit because some other news came out. And really, since the superstar is really not as big as Kane, well, he's his biggest. He's larger than Kane. The news just wasn't as heavy. Um, the Great Khali is also going to be going into the WWE Hall of Fame class. Uh, so um, the Punjabi Playboy, as he was billed um, in certain aspects of his career, he will join Kane in the WWE Hall of Fame class of 2021. So Kane is going in, and The Great Khali is also joining him in the class. So congratulations to those two WWE superstars. Welcome to the hall going in for WrestleMania time.
1: Cool. Uh, and I'm going to pass the baton for this next bit of news Ooh, to you because thank you. these are your people, and I don't want to take that away from you. Thank you. And so, also, there's like three names in here that I'm not going to try to butcher. So,
0: All right, so we've also, we've also got some WrestleMania news here in Episode 4 in Season 2. The cards have been set for WrestleMania, and as you know, Vince McMahon like basically changes his mind minute by minute. So I'm going to give you this card as it's set, and then watch it change between now and the time WrestleMania steps off. But... WrestleMania 37, the card for night one, is going to be the almighty champion Bobby Lashley taking on Drew McIntyre. That will be for the WWE Championship in night one. Sasha Banks, the boss, is going to be defending her title against the EST of WWE, Bianca Belair. That one is going to be one heck of a match in night number one. That'll be for the SmackDown Women's Championship match. The Miz is going to be taking on... Bad Bunny. Yes, mm-hmm. Grammy award-winning Bad Bunny in night number one. So it really seems to me that like the night one card is short. It's just three matches. That's all you get, because like WrestleMania nowadays is like 10 hours long. Switching gears to night two, Roman Reigns is going to be defending the Universal Championship against Edge. A decade in the making, Edge returns to WrestleMania, and he gets his title aspirations met there in night number two. Nobody is ready for Asuka. Well, Rhea Ripley says that she is ready for Asuka. She debuted on Monday Night Raw right out of the gate. She set her sights on the champ. Raw women's title match is going to be going down. Asuka and Rhea Ripley. Randy Orton versus The Fiend. Bray Wyatt, of course, uh, Randy Orton should be wanted for murder because he did set The Fiend on fire. The Fiend has been absent, most recently returned at Fastlane, appeared on Monday Night Raw, and hit Randy Orton with Sister Abigail. So these two are going to collide at WrestleMania. Probably going to be a gimmick or a cinematic match because right now, I got to give WWE props on this one because... They evolved the Fiend's costume. He's all burnt to a crisp. His hands are all bubbly and gross. Essentially, he looks like what the pizza rolls look like if you overcook them in the microwave and they're staring back at you. That's what the Fiend looks like. So that one's going to be fun. And then so far, they have not been placed on the card yet, but these matches are for WrestleMania. The New Day putting up their tag titles against AJ Styles and the massive Almost. He will be making his debut in the ring at WrestleMania. The guy is absolutely massive. And Shane McMahon hopefully is going to be beaten to a bloody pulp as he fights against Braun Strowman. He's been ridiculing him and calling him stupid for weeks now. He is going to get these hands at WrestleMania. That's your card as it stands right now.
1: So it sounds like it's going to be a fun couple days, right?
0: Oh, it's going to be a fun couple of days. The card just seems small for some reason. I mean, it's eight matches across two nights. You can't tell me you can't get that all in in one night. Come on. We love seven hours of WrestleMania. There's nothing better than that. Stretching it over two days. You know, here, here's the thing. Regardless of the card size, however you feel about that, the fact that 25,000 fans will be welcomed into Raymond James Stadium each night is a milestone. That's in huge. In person. Wow, yeah. A slice of normalcy. Welcome back, fans, to wrestling.
1: Uh, So that's exciting, and let me tell you something I got excited about, because I know you got excited about WrestleMania news, but did you watch the new trailer that Netflix released today uh, for Stowaway?
0: Um, I watched bits and pieces of it enough to realize, hey, make sure you don't fall asleep in the wrong spot. (laughs) Because your (laughs) life is never take a
1: nap above a space shuttle.
0: (laughs) Yep, yep. Never take a nap above a space shuttle. This one, this one is it looks very budget heavy and very Mm -hmm. high profile for Netflix. I'm, I'm color me intrigued.
1: This is definitely going to be one of Netflix's larger productions that we're going to see this year. Like they've said, fifty two projects being released throughout the entire year of 2021, one project a week. That's huge. So, the week of April 22nd is when we can expect Stowaway. It's got Anna Kendrick, Tony Kloot, uh, Daniel Day Kim, and a new one, a new gentleman that I've never uh, seen before, Shamir Anderson, uh, who is actually starring as the Stowaway. Um, and it's not like a, a bad thing, like, you know, Lost in Space, where, you know, you, you got Doc Smith hanging out and trying to sabotage him. It's a complete accident. He accidentally. Finds his way aboard a, uh, a shuttle flight, <laughs> a shuttle flight going to Mars for it's a two year trip, and he's not supposed to be there.
0: And there's literally a point in the trailer where he's like, you know, turn around, I've, I've got to go back. And I'm like, no, you're stuck up here for two years. And it looks to me like they're going to put the interesting twist of hey, we've got oxygen for so many people and not for everybody that's actually currently on board this vessel. So. Yeah. Is it, is it going to be people going absolutely nuts in a fight to survive? Is it going to be a thriller and kind of a horror movie in that regards? Time will tell.
1: I mean, frankly, I think somebody's going to have to sleep outside. So I think that's what's going to happen. That's just me.
0: Oh, that's horrible. It is. Just, that just that breaks my heart. You know, moving on from there, and it's become really a running joke whether Ryan Reynolds is behind it or not. I think we've all joked about it in one point or another because it's last year. Last year was just an incredibly long year, and right now, twenty twenty one is is kind of going that direction. We're making strides, we're making progress on so many different fronts. But Ryan Reynolds would like you all to know that he is one hundred percent confident in the new release date for Free Guy. Hashtag really confident now. Folks, I just want you to take this with a grain of salt for a second. This is Ryan Reynolds we're talking about. And if Ryan Reynolds is 100% confident about anything in his life, chances are he's probably not really 100% confident. So just take it like that. We just hope that that Free Guy sticks its adjusted landing at this point right now. I, I think there was some commentary between us and some fans on our social channels, and at one point I said, you know, um, that's great. Yeah. We really don't want them to move that movie either, but we are sick of them moving every other movie as well. Find a spot and stick to it. So that way cinemas can continue to open up across the country. We're already seeing great strides. I'm just going to kind of jump on that bang. and went a little bit. We've got, we've got New York, we've got Los Angeles, we've got Texas. Cinemas are starting to open and I like this. I'm happy about that, but we can't continue to do the COVID shuffle. Otherwise, we're going to go backwards. We need to be be going forwards. Forwards is good forward momentum. I want to have my snacks, and I want to sit down, and I want to enjoy movies again. And we're so close.
1: So very close. Uh, This is pretty much the section of the podcast. We're just going to go ahead and call it, here's all the movies you're not going to get to see when you initially thought you were going to get to see them. So, uh, John Wick 4 um, is going to be starting to shoot in June. However, it will no longer film back-to-back with John Wick 5. Uh, Mike Finch is the main screenwriter on the film, which is going to be shooting the, in Berlin, Paris, New York City, and Japan. So when we originally probably thought we were going to get C see 4 and then probably immediately a year later, 5, I doubt that's going to be the case now.
0: Do you think that's going to impact the release date for John Wick 27?
1: It might, you know.
0: You start with one, and it's a domino effect, and the rest of the films are not going to fall in order the way they should, and they're not going to hit the regular release window. We need to get to John Wick 27 without issue. That's important.
1: Yeah, John Wick 27, scoop the school. Indeed, brother.
0: Indeed. This news, this was humorous, because apparently this is a thing. This goes back to, to military history. This is a real thing that happened. Okay. And. This is like the, the, the oddest pairing that I never knew I needed or wanted. I, now I want to see this. Zach Efron, Russell Crowe, going to be leading the cast of the greatest beer run ever. And again, there is history here, and I believe it is tied to Vietnam, if I'm not mistaken. You can okay. correct me if I'm wrong in the comments, but they are going to go on a beer run. And I'm just going to say this. Russell Crowe looks like he's been ready for this role for like the past couple of years. Russell Crowe <laughs> Crow looks like he has been on the greatest beer run ever for years now. And you pair him up with Zac Efron. It's just, I mean, this is a coupling that's not happened before, and I think that's why I'm so excited. I want to see these two on a military uh, on a military style beer run in the middle of Vietnam.
1: No, I I, I totally agree. I,
0: and they don't even have to be fully clothed. I I want Zac Efron to be in this film, and I want him to be wearing you know his standard military fatigues, but I want him to have a beer gut hanging out. Get rid of the abs. Get rid of the sexy Zac Efron. I want the bewildered. Running around Vietnam, not having any idea what's going on, and I want Zach Efron to have a beer gut.
1: Zach Efron needs to approach this role just like Christian Bale approached American Hustle. <laughs> Dude! Ex- yes. Okay, that's cha- what I'm saying. Change it up. Go from Batman Begins to American Hustle, Zach Efron. You can do it. No, we I want to be- you.
0: I'm glad you made that reference because I want it to be beer gut begins.
1: <laughs> beer gut Begins.
0: exactly.
1: Now, I mean, that's I mean, going to be the bio for my movie,
0: <laughs> dude. Just, I mean, seriously, make it a body swap comedy. Let's let's have Zac Efron uh, in a in a fat suit with a beer gut, and then I want Russell Crowe to rediscover his gladiator Russell Crowe days and have him with the six pack abs. That would be great. Make it happen, Hollywood.
1: Now, the thing I find most interesting about this is that in the last decade or so, they have found joy in Hollywood by pairing Zac Efron with some of the legendary actors. Mm-hmm. Uh, elder actors, I will say. Bad Grandpa comes to mind. Or, Bobby De Niro. Yeah, you know. Uh, teaming up with Robert. I mean, that, mm-hmm. was a, that was a big deal when it happened. Yes. And now it's happening again. So that movie was pretty good. I enjoyed that film. So... Hopefully, I'll get some joy out of this one, too.
0: Fantastic, sir.
1: Uh, so, as we mentioned, Free mm. Guy yep. is not going to be in its initial release date. August 13th is when we might, should, possibly see it in theaters. Uh, Disney also announced that several more of its films will not be coming to theaters when they initially thought. So, the Kingsman new release date will be December 22nd. Deep Water will be January 14th, 2022, and Death on the Nile uh, will be February 11th, 2022. Now, all those films are going to theaters, but some films will also be doing the little swippity swap of in theaters as well as on Disney Plus, but we'll get that, that in just a moment.
0: Oh, wait a minute. So, you don't want to cover the rest of that?
1: You just want me to keep going? I Yeah, you're, 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 you're
0: on a roll, dude. We might as well go ahead and hit okay. him with all the bad news right now. Okay, so... So, Free guy started it.
1: So, Free guy started it. Uh, Black Widow is moving to July 9th. Ugh. And that film, with its move, announced that it's going to premiere on theaters and on the same day for Disney Plus, yeah. but via direct direct access. Make sure you saved your so, 30 bucks, So, uh, you can spend an outrageous amount of money to find it on Disney Plus, or you can spend a little gas money and find a theater that's going to be open. That's what we recommend. go to the theater. So, that's our recommendation full-heartedly. Also in line with that, since Black Widow moved to July 9th, Shang-Chi and the Legend of the Ten Rings has moved from its July 2021 date to September 3rd, 2021. So we'll have only a month between Marvel movies this year, which is, I think, unheard of. But by Black Widow being moved to July, it will officially be two years since we had a Marvel movie in theaters.
0: That is that is nuts.
1: That will officially be the case.
0: That is absolutely nuts. But... It's pretty nuts. We'll get there. More sad news uh, out of Hollywood. And I tell you what, this man had an impact across the movie spectrum and the TV spectrum. George Siegel, the engaging actor who, during the 1970s heyday, generated great chemistry with a variety of co-stars and such lighthearted classics as Where's Papa, The Al. And the Pussycat, Touch of Class, California Split, Fun with Dick and Jane, passed away Tuesday. He was 87, and Siegel died of complications from bypass surgery. His wife, Sonia, made the announcement to the trades out there. And, of course, you think about Josh's Shoot Me, you think about the Goldbergs, and, of course, for me, he's always going to be known as Chubby Charles from Look Who's Talking, opposite (laughs) Kirstie Alley. Molly, I'm going to burst if you don't kiss me soon. That's that's what I remember him for, Chubby Charles. But he his career was so much more than that. He is going to be sorely missed and touched a lot of
1: lives. Yeah, uh, just to see the outpouring of Hollywood today through the Facebook and the tweets from Twitter. Uh, just you know, it's amazing how many lives this guy touched. How many people he helped mentor over the years. Yeah. Of course, and you saying that, you know, him being opposite Christie Alley and look who's talking. Of course, I remember that. But for my generation in particular, it's going to be the Goldbergs where he's going to be remembered as Pops the most. Mm-hmm. Uh, and and I, I'm very interested to see how Adam Goldberg is going to be handling uh, the passing of George, whether they're going to write that into the story somehow, are they going to replace some him with somebody with Pops? Because it is based on his real life. So I, I'm not sure what they're going to do, but I, I'm very curious to see what's going to happen next with that and how they're going to dedicate an episode to, to George because you know that's going to happen.
0: Something tells me we're going to be in for a funeral on the Goldbergs.
1: Mm-hmm. Uh, so Evan Peters, Niecy Nash, and Penelope Ann Miller have all been cast in Ryan Murphy and Ian Brennan's monster, the Jeffrey Dahmer story.
0: You know... <laughs> And what's interesting about this casting is they've been focusing on Evan Peters, obviously, because he's got the lead role uh, in this uh, series, this film. And they've got Evan Peters side by side next to profile pictures of Jeffrey Dahmer. And the trades have been really kind of like, uh, I'm just going to say smart-assy about it, because the pictures that they've been trying to find of Evan Peters, of him with like blonde hair, they've been trying to find like the closest look to identify him to Jeffrey Dahmer. And I'm like... Okay, yeah, we get that he's going to be playing Jeffrey Dahmer, but can we can we like maybe save trying to get him to look like Jeffrey Dahmer until we actually see the series? Maybe kind of sort of. But uh this 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 has got me excited because again, this is just another level of what Evan Peters can do and this mm-hmm. really gives him the first opportunity to get into a dramatic and villainous role. Mm -hmm. Because he's kind of been typecast for the majority of his career. This is time for him to flex his wings a little bit. And I think this could lead uh, to some more, maybe some dramatic roles for him and some more heavy uh, lead roles for him coming up. And that makes me excited.
1: Yeah, I mean you've you've got to see him do that type of acting on American horror story and mm-hmm. do the various seasons of it, but really nobody has allowed him to stretch his wings in a big budget Hollywood film mm-hmm. in that capacity. So I, I I'm very excited as well to see him do that.
0: A very deserving award is going out to Peter mm-hmm. Jackson. And when this news broke, I, I, I got excited again because I'm like, you know, you think about a guy that has has pioneered visual effects and has achieved so much dabbling in the Hobbit uh, trilogy the Lord of the Rings trilogy Mortal engines the Lovely Bones I mean the list goes on and on and of course I, I think he really they probably saw the film and they decided hey we should just go ahead and give them this give him this award and let's just forget about his work on Lord of the Rings they probably saw him Meet the Feebles and decided that Peter Jackson deserved this award because really everything deserves everything begins with a piece of art cinema that probably should be uh, like buried in the dumpster as deep as you can possibly get it to go. I'm sure that's where Peter Jackson wants to see this film go, but it all started with Meet the Peoples*. Come on, let's get real about it. Peter Jackson's receiving the Visual Effects Society Lifetime Achievement Award, and really, to sum up this bit of news, I just got to say, it's well-deserved, without
1: question. Yeah, I couldn't agree more, my friend. That that Frank, the fact that he doesn't already have this award is kind of the most astonishing. Surprising, thing. right? Like you think out of anybody, you could get that award to who would you automatically think of? Peter Jackson. So
0: well, in his work, I mean, you think about Weta. Weta Digital was was instrumental in developing Lord of the Rings, and Weta now has been involved in so many major blockbusters. It all had to begin, and this was really his vision and the people that he surrounded himself with. During that time.
1: Yeah. Um, in other news, uh, comic book news, I will add, Helen Mirren has joined the cast of Shazam Fury of, the, Fury of the Gods and will be playing the villain Hespra. So that should be very interesting.
0: How excited are you for the fact that Helen Mirren's going to be in a DC Comics movie, but she's going to be playing the bad guy? I mean... I go back in time. She's had some very villainous roles in her career. I mean, obviously, teaching Mrs. Tingle, one of my favorites. Absolutely love <laughs> that. Fantastic. But the fact that she's in this, her opposite Zachary Levi. Yeah, he's he's got some competition on his hands. Mm-hmm. She is going to chew the scenes
1: heavily. I am so I'm,
0: I'm there for it. I am so hundred
1: so pumped for that film. I hate that it's still so very far off.
0: She's gonna look great in spandex. Just look at it this way.
1: I'm really hoping that they're going to give her a, a legit costume. Like, I would love to see her in a, an actual, like, DC comic book costume. So, I don't know much about this villain. I, I, I hate to admit that. So, I, I'm going to have to do my research to, to learn more before the film comes out. But, uh, Helen Marin in a comic book movie, sign me up.
0: You know- Looks like you've got some homework to do there, big guy. This one is, uh, again, more more shuffling. Obviously, Cruella is going to be releasing on the 28th of May. That's going to happen simultaneously in theaters. And again, you're going to have that Disney Plus Premiere Access choice to make. 30 bucks to sit at home on your couch and watch Cruella there or go and have the theater experience. Now, this one, some of our fans uh, through our social channels had uh, a lot to say about this, but Luca, for some strange reason, this is Pixar's newest film, is going to be releasing solely on Disney Plus subscribers, which will be free. You will not have to pay anything extra to see Luca, but it's not getting a theater bout. comes out on June 18th.
1: It's very unusual. Question
0: the logic there that we're giving Cruella and Emma Stone uh, top billing and putting her in the theater, but Pixar, who has had an amazing track record and their films be, deserve to be seen visually. I mean, at this point right now, Soul and then Luca, mm-hmm. both Disney Plus only.
1: Yeah, I, I don't really understand... Where that's coming from, as Pixar has been one of Disney's most profitable entities,
0: consistent in, providers, for yeah. For
1: decades now. So that that definitely kinda leaves an awkward awkwardness, I guess. I don't know. I guess we'll see what happens.
0: This next bit of news, finally, lockdown, on target at this point right now. Let's talk about it.
1: Uh, so the new Nintendo Switch OLED model to use Nvidia's DLS technology for 4K output. You knew that there would be big, awkward words in here. N- Nevada, Nevadas? Why didn't they just say Nevadas?
0: Yep. Navidias. <laughs> Let me step in and help you out, big boy. New Nintendo Switch OLED model is going to be using NVIDIA's DLSS technology for 4K output. So again, That's what I said. You know, <laughs> I, I look at this, and this again kind of says to me that Nintendo is still in the casual market. They're not going hardcore gamer. I do love the fact that they are reaching out and extending an olive branch to NVIDIA because, honestly, if the technology in the system is lacking, they need DLSS to make sure that 4K output is going to happen Because the Nintendo consoles, they're not like the PlayStation 5. They're not like the Xbox Series X. And for that reason, it just needs the extra horsepower under the roof. But the fact that it's portable, it's in your hand, 4K output, that's awesome. That's big news if you're a Nintendo fan, especially for the Switch.
1: Big old Game Boy.
0: Lionsgate. Now, this is this really provided us as fans as, uh, some very interesting insight uh, into the debt holdings of major studio films. We've seen a lot of that, uh, particularly during uh, the, the pandemic. The big focus was on AMC theater chains and all of their debt and what they've had to raise to stay in business and stay afloat. Lionsgate uh, set to raise a billion dollars. That's coming via bond sale. They're saying that it's going to be using the proceeds to repay outstanding debt, a billion dollars. Just put that in your head wow. a little bit. And that tells you what kind of position that Lionsgate has been in as a result of the pandemic. In an SEC filing on Tuesday, the studio said a subsidiary, Lionsgate Capital Holdings LLC, will be offering up to a billion dollars in new senior notes via a private placement. Wow.
1: I mean, that a billion dollars, man. That that,
0: that, is... that is a lot of money. And, like... Yeah, I, I put that into perspective with what AMC has done. AMC has approached that figure more than once over the last year. It's
1: Insane.
0: Big, big time debt holdings and moves for not only studios, but theaters.
1: Um, just goes to showcase the suffering that businesses, no matter what they are, have been going through for the last year. So let's get back on the horse and get movie theaters open again. So Giant one.
0: tub of popcorn, folks. Supersize it and make sure you add candy when you go to the cinemas.
1: Mm-hmm. Uh, the original Wolf of Wall Street, Jordan <laughs> Belfort, is <laughs> going to be hosting a Discovery Plus documentary on video game retailer GameStop's stock price rise that took place earlier this year and pretty much broke the world. I mean, let's be honest. It did. And it, it freaked people out. Thank you, Reddit.
0: Isn't it hilarious that this all goes down? And yes, there's multiple movie projects that are in the works.
1: Oh, yeah. Uh, regarding yeah.
0: GameStop. But yeah, sure. Let's reach out and let's give a corrupt broker a break and let's bring him back to TV. I would just say this. Jordan Belfort owes the Wolf of Wall Street, Scorsese, and Leo DiCaprio his new lease on life.
1: Oh, 100%. Let's give Jordan Belfort a break. Can't we have Leo come back, play Jordan? Jordan Belfort, to yeah. To do the documentary? I mean... Uh, I think that might suit us all better. That would be
0: the safer choice because I'd be I'm more comfy. I, I'm worried that Jordan Belfort is going to show up on Discovery Plus and he might bring the lewds with him. <laughs> I'm serious. I mean, I mean, yeah, okay. Discovery, you're uh, you're you're making a risky move, in my opinion.
1: Mm-hmm. I agree.
0: <laughs> now this picture. Um. Okay. Mattel is teaming up with Mission Control. For a Barbie fashion battle competition series. Okay, do you remember the old MTV show? You're probably too young for this, but do you remember Celebrity Deathmatch on MTV?
1: No, I can't say I do.
0: Basically, they made claymation celebrities. They put them in the ring and they fought to the death. There was all kind of blood and explosion and death. It's great. Uh, you, okay. <sighs> I
1: missed the Homework
0: 80s. tonight for you. Go on YouTube when you get time tonight and watch Celebrity Deathmatch. MTV and i want you to report back on the next podcast and let us know what you think of it i'm sorry but i am seeing this in my head barbie <laughs> in high fashion doing battle with each other in a competition series this is either going to be the best thing ever or it's going to be the worst thing ever 50/50 it can go either way
1: i mean i know barbie is like an entire fandom like yes. young Huge, old it doesn't massive. matter i mean people love glad their you got barbies, rid of your barbies huh? yeah i i i, I upgraded um, there just wasn't enough room on my shelf what can i say Um, but I didn't know that this was a thing like dressing up Barbies competitively. I mean, where are they going to find the people to do this? I mean, is there a whole outlet of people out there in the world right now who dress up Barbies competitively? And I've just not heard about it. Is that like an underground thing? Is like fight club. Don't talk about the Barbie dressing up competitions. Dude. First rule.
0: Dude. There are Barbie secret societies all over the world.
1: That's what the next National Treasure movie should be about. there,
0: There are closet collectors just waiting to come out of the woodwork. And you know, when this news broke, they're sitting there in their basements somewhere going, my time has arrived.
1: Mom, I'm leaving the basement.
0: This is a thing.
1: All right, Stuart. There are
0: Barbie secret societies out there right now.
1: I'm telling you. They're out.
0: They are out there.
1: This is life changing for so many people, and we're just unaware of them. Mm-hmm. Yep, exactly what it is. Uh, so Microsoft is allegedly in talks to purchase Discord for over ten billion dollars.
0: Microsoft, are you okay, dude? I mean, the people at Discord right now are thinking
1: windfall. Hello,
0: I get to retire like fifty times over. T- is it is Discord really worth ten billion dollars? Well, I mean, it, I know it's a big thing in the gaming community.
1: I didn't know what it was until this post, so you know, it, it's
0: essentially like a, like 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 chat servers, pretty much, is what it is.
1: Okay, yeah, I, I didn't know there was a company that did that. I mean, I know what those are clearly, but I wasn't aware that there was a company behind them.
0: Microsoft comes in; they offer ten billion dollars from Discord, and like our fans, our fans. Had it best. I'm going to give a shout-out to our our good buddy and friend, Othneil. Othneil says this, and this is spot on. Microsoft will either improve its platform and chat functionality, or they're going to ruin Discord. It is a coin toss, I think. Othneil has it. Uh, He's taking the net. He's taking the podcast 50-50. This is either going to go either way. Discord fans have got to be afraid of this massively.
1: The first thing I thought of, now that I'm aware of what it is, is that Microsoft also owns a little thing called Skype. (laughs) Yeah, what so, what do they need Discord for? So They've already got Skype. If they already have that ability, why would they want to do more? I don't know. I don't know. Maybe do you,
0: do you think Monopoly? You know, do, do they you,
1: take it, destroy it.
0: Let me ask you though: Do you think there's got to be congressional sessions on this? Are, are there? Uh, well, I'm ser- I'm being kind of I'm serious and I'm joking yeah. at the same time. Are, are we getting into Monopoly territory? Is, yeah, is Microsoft possibly. overreaching to a certain extent by going after Discord?
1: You know you. Can't, don't have to worry about it if uh, it doesn't exist anymore. I'm trying to think of, to think of
0: the, the the terminology that I want to use with that. But I, I think there will be legitimate fears over that. So
1: Yeah, this is definitely a monopoly situation, in my opinion. Uh, but who knows? I guess we'll find out sooner than later.
0: Seth Rogen has joined the cast of Steven Spielberg's next feature film, I'm Loving This Already. Loosely based on the director's childhood growing up in Arizona... Rogan is set to play Spielberg's favorite uncle in the film opposite Michelle Williams, who is going to be playing a role inspired by Spielberg's mom. This is going to be meta and not meta, and I think this is going to be really awesome because mainly I just want to picture in my head that Spielberg and Rogan actually hang out in real life on the weekends. They're sitting there on a couch in Rogan's house, and they are smoking some houseplant together. (laughs) I I think this is actually going to be really great. I'm looking forward to this collaboration.
1: It should be interesting. And what an interesting choice, though. I, I mean, uh, Seth Rogen is interesting choice for Steven Spielberg to pick to be in one of his films. Let me just put it that way and leave it at that. So well said. I'm very curious to find out what happens. Uh, sad news, ladies and gentlemen. Very sad news. Who are holding their breath for this? Uh, But Warner Media Studio CEO Ann Sarnoff says that they will not, I repeat, not be releasing a director's cut of David Ayer's 2016 Suicide Squad film. Quote, unquote, we won't be developing David Ayer's cut.
0: Okay. Now, this angered some of our community. As it should. People had some things to say about it. But David Ayer, I don't think, is really that upset about this.
1: Well, the I mean,
0: he's he's responded, mm-hmm. but I'm just going to say that David Ayer's response was classy, because he basically threw it to, to James. He said, let, "Let let James have at it. Let him have his turn." Yeah. Before um, we start talking about this, it's premature, I believe, was was Ayer's response.
1: So when this news broke, we got a single word response from Ayer on Twitter. He shared the Variety or Deadline story. Uh, that it was out, and one word, why? That's all he left it as. So, uh, you know... Maybe we can
0: have Ayer's energy as response to this. Why? Why is it needed?
1: So, you know, it's... You know, what we've... Just learned with Zack Snyder's uh, Justice League is that the film that Warner Brothers initially put out and the film that we just got from Zack Snyder, two very different films. Mm -hmm. Similar outcomes, but very much two different films. Uh, And David Ayer has come out and he has spoken that, yeah, there's a lot of things that took place in my film that were not my idea and did not come from me. They came from Warner Brothers. I didn't agree with them, but... They're the ones that were paying the bills, so you do what you're told. So I'm very curious. I would be very interested to see an air cut just to see what the differences are.
0: Is it going to promote and prompt like major outcry amongst the community going, can we just let directors have their vision? Give them some base parameters and then get the hell out of the way and let the directors direct their film?
1: Oh, And, you know, there's one thing if it's a director's cut and there's, like, a handful of scenes that got cut. You know, that's what deleted scenes are for. And then you get to see those director's cuts years later. But then there's films that we're seeing these days where it could have been completely, totally different films if the studios did not butt in. And I'm totally with you. Like, I think this is going to create a new movement that says, okay, you're going to hire me to be your director Leave me alone. Like let me do what you hired me to do.
0: And then I'm gonna I'm gonna throw this into the ring for people to chew on and mull about and talk about it and tell me I'm crazy or I'm wrong. But every director that has ever worked in history in film, I'm just gonna bill it as they've got a win loss record. Mm-hmm. So when Josh Whedon came in and did Justice League, stepped in when obviously uh, you know tragedy struck Zack Snyder and his family. Zach had to step away. Josh Whedon came in to direct that movie with a win-loss record. Yeah. And Warner Brothers made their decision based off of Josh Whedon's character, his history, his background, and his win-loss record. The same as they made the decision to bring Zack Snyder in based off of his career and his win-loss record. David Ayer also has a win-loss record. Yeah. Every decision that Warner Brothers made, good, bad, you agree with it or not as a fan, was based on something. We're never going to know the full extent. Obviously, Ray Fisher's got an opinion, a strong one.
1: Very much so.
0: Stand with Ray? Don't stand with Ray. That's your decision to make. But Warner Brothers is seeing things that we as fans will never see. Ray Fisher experienced and saw things as an actor that we will never see as fans. So why was Warner Brothers making the decisions to put people in place and in charge? What were they seeing? What were they experiencing? I mean, those are those are legitimate questions that I ask. And it's not just DC. It's Marvel. It's every other film studio out there. When they put a director in charge... They have opinions and things that they see and they know when they make those decisions. Because you know, I'm just going to say this. I mean, obviously, The Suicide Squad is yet to be released. James Gunn went in there, and he made his film with literally no oversight whatsoever and no issues. So what's going on at Warner Brothers? Why do we have one director that comes in and makes a movie with no oversight, and we got problems with two other directors? I agree. It, it, it does. It does make me curious. That, that's the only thing I'm going to leave out there for the community nope. to discuss amongst themselves. I, it, it really makes you curious.
1: And I, I think you're 100 percent right. And you know, you brought up Marvel, and it automatically made me think we've got a new Doctor Strange two director because the previous director butted heads with Marvel and
0: mm-hmm. was either
1: asked to leave or left on his own. We don't know that for sure. Ego, and it happened
0: real fast and without a lot of like. Skepticism and prodding, and everybody mm. digging deep to find out why it was instantaneous.
1: Yeah, I mean, don't get me wrong, I'm excited for Sam Raimi to be taking the helm on this mm-hmm. project. Oh, yeah, I love Sam. He's proven
0: he's right. got a good track record, Spider Man 3 notwithstanding.
1: Um, but then we have like the Ant Man film. Uh, Edgar Wright was set to he wrote it and he was set to direct it, and, and then he's he left beloved,
0: the he's beloved in the fan community.
1: Who does not love Edgar Wright? I mean, the dude left and then went over and took over baby driver. So, I mean, uh Marvel missed opportunity? Yes. But clearly, no matter what studio or production company you're working for, there's going to be friction. And it's kind of I I think your questions are legitimate where you're asking, "How does somebody like James Gunn go in with no oversight from the studio whatsoever, make the film that he wants to make? He has repeatedly told his fans that I am making the director's cut. The version of the film you're going to see is the director's cut.
0: And he was all but exercised from the island at one point oh, yeah. between Disney and Marvel. So see mm-hmm. where he was. And he bounced back in DC and made a movie and nobody was questioning otherwise.
1: Mm-hmm. And I think that But he a had a
0: background. But he also's got pedigree too. Mm-hmm. He's made some killer movies in his career and his life. Yep. I mean So, I mean, it it, it makes you curious. It really really does. Yep. I mean, just ask just ask Kathleen Kennedy and the drama that she's been surrounded by at Lucasfilm and Star Wars. Yeah. You either love her or you
1: hate her. You could do a whole podcast on that. Mm-hmm. Actually, yes, we a, could. Probably a whole series. Um, Whose turn is it? Do you want to take this next bit or do you want me well, to? sure.
0: And I think we can kind of expand on, and we touched on it briefly earlier on, Michael Keaton still returning as Batman for the Flash solo film, maybe. I think everybody really wants to know where he stands. But he's kind of stuck between a rock and a hard place. He's not committing one way or the other. He's being very real with the fan base, saying, hey, this is what's happening. This is why. But Keaton spoke to Deadline. He says this, I'm needing a minute to think about it because I'm so fortunate and blessed. i got so much going on right now. I'm really into work right now. I don't know why, but I am. And so, yeah... I mean, you know, to tell you the truth, somewhere on my iPad is an iteration of the whole Flash thing that I haven't had time for yet. I called them and said, I gotta be honest with you, I can't look at anything right now, I'm so deep into this thing I'm doing. Also, I'm prepping a thing I'm producing and getting ready to do down the road in the fall that I'll be in. And I feel responsible for that, so yeah, there is that, I'm not being cute or coy. If I'm talked about it, I'll just be BSing you. I don't really know, I have to look at the last draft. So he's got a lot going on. That's one aspect of it. But COVID era is still having a major impact on stars and just the decisions that they make to be a part of a production. Yeah. I mean, we've, we've seen Tom Cruise go literally BS insane <laughs> on set yelling at, at, at technical people and other actors and actresses for not taking COVID seriously. So what's what's life like on the set? Yeah. Now, maybe if they can talk to Keaton about their COVID protocols... And how they're going to handle safety that might help him, you know, get settled in. Yeah. But I, I, want, I want Keaton to commit, but I also want Keaton to be safe and smart about the decisions
1: that he makes. Yeah, yeah, and, and clearly, uh, you know, in his deadline interview that he had, he went over several of those things. Uh, that his biggest fear is COVID. He really, really wants to play it safe. That's why he's been hanging out on like a seventy-nine acre farm since this all th- this whole thing happened. Yeah. So you know. Uh, the problem is he needs to make a decision almost kind of quick.
0: He's of age and he's in a high risk group. I mean,
1: there's that. Uh, But also the flash starts shooting in April. (laughs) So like the end of next month, the flash will begin their shooting procedures. And I mean,
0: that's, I mean, that's the start of production and shooting in the month of April, but you know, depending upon where they're at in the script process and shooting, he may not be required until the month of May.
1: Yeah. But I mean, his
0: role may not pop up, you know, I mean, he may not be required to be there right when shooting gets underway.
1: Yeah. But in my head, I'm, I am I mean, I don't know how all the Hollywood films work, but in my head I'm thinking, you know, the script that they've written might heavily rely on Michael Keaton's presence as Batman 89. So if he's not returning as Batman 89 and, you know, we need Val Kilmer or George Clooney to step in and Sid to play one of the previous in our or Christian Bale for that matter, to to play a previous Batman, then I feel like the script would call for that you know, one
0: way or the other. And and the coolest thing is, is 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 I think we can expect anything from the Flash. And when I say this, I believe they're fully going to employ facial de-aging in the film. And honestly, if it's as good as what we have been seeing here recently from Marvel, and dare I say that 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 questionable scene that we saw in coming to America where they basically rewrote history. I think they can do anything. I mean, the sky is the limit with what they can do with Keaton should he commit to the film, and that's really got me excited for his upcoming tentative appearance in The Flash.
1: See, I want this to be successful. I want his role in The Flash to be successful because what I want more than anything is a Batman Beyond movie. Okay, let's get Terry McGinnis in here. Let's make that film happen, ladies and gentlemen.
0: Tim has been stuck on Terry McGinnis as far as the casting.
1: Seriously, I was really, really hoping that we might see that direction take place with Batfleck. But since we're not really sure what's going to happen with him either, if Michael Keaton's back in the ring, he would make the perfect older Batman. He would make the perfect opportunity uh, for that storyline.
0: Well, let's wrap up episode four with some news. Take us to Raccoon City with some Resident Evil updates for uh, for the group.
1: Well, gang... We finally have, one, the first teaser image from the upcoming Resident Evil reboot film. And two, we have the title for the upcoming Resident Evil reboot film. Resident Evil Welcome to Raccoon City is set to release in theaters on September 3rd. We don't have a lot
0: of imagery, but we've got one hell of a cast. The casting announcement I liked a lot. Oh, yeah. And I love the fact that we've got a director that has committed and is on record as saying this is going to cover the first two games in the series. Yep. And apparently, they're looking to stay true to form.
1: Yep. They're going to take from the video games. We're going to see the mansion. We're going to see the city. We're I'm going to see I'm the PlayStation. But here's, yeah,
0: we had some fun with this on our Facebook page. And I got to talk about this. It was interesting because they had great casting, everything was lined out good. But it left me asking the question where is Barry Burton? Barry Burton is a beloved character in the first game. Doesn't get a lot of love, but there was no mention. So maybe we could get a nice little surprise with this particular film. I want to say this. I'm excited for this. I'm excited for Tom Holland as Nathan Drake in Uncharted. And the more I see of it, the more I get more excited for Mortal Kombat. That is right around the corner. Could we be on the verge of a final video game to film renaissance that we have been sorely lacking for so long could these be the movies and the films that finally turn it around i think anything's possible
1: i would love for that to happen because that means we would finally get to see the film i've been asking to be remade since the day i was born
0: please don't say super mario brothers super mario brothers <laughs> needs to be made the correct way I know he was going there? we
1: need to see it done right okay I want to see that film. I want to see a legit Super Mario Brothers film and the numerous spinoffs that it can create. Create the world, make it happen. Do you, know,
0: do you know where we're at now on the other side of that film? We're living in a world where Bob Hoskins is dead and John Leguizamo is not really working that much. He's been in John Wick and he also uh, dressed up in drag as Chi-Chi Rodriguez.
1: He's been really busy <laughs> voicing Sid for Ice Age for the last 20 years. So, yeah. you know... When, what kind he, of
0: hell is this?
1: So, well, I, I think John can blame his downfall from film for taking that role as the clown in Spawn. Let, let's, let's take it there. I think that's where we should put the blame uh, you know, he was still really young when he did Super Mario Brothers. No,
0: Super Mario, Super Mario made him dress and drag as Chichi Rodriguez alongside Wesley Snipes, and yes, Patrick. <laughs> yeah, Patrick, we miss you, buddy. To Wong Fu, thanks for everything, Julie Newmar. That's where things went from Super Mario Brothers.
1: So. Fingers crossed, Super Mario Brothers, it's going to finally happen.
0: Oh, man, Tim is wishing so much ill upon us right now, it's not even funny. But, gang, that is going to do it for us. This wraps up Episode 4 here in Season 2. We've got plenty of ways for you to stay informed and stay connected. Get all the Nerd Informants goodness that you can stand, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, all across social media. Just type in Nerd Informants, and we are easy to find. And don't forget, we are on Google, Apple Podcasts, and Spotify. So wherever you get your major podcast platforms, we are there. Type in nerd informants. We thank you very, very much. And so until we see you next time, fellow geeks and nerds, as Tim and I always say, be Be informed. informed. You've been informed by the Informants Nerdcast, presented by Nerd Informants Media. Find new episodes on Anchor Podcasting Services and stay connected to Nerd Informants on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram.